0: i yeah. This is KEXU ninety six point one FM. You're listening to Free Aslan, and this is JV, your host, and, um Today we have a very special show, special program today. Um, I have a special guest uh, representative from MIM prisons. uh, The Maoist internationalist movement prisons. And um, and we're gonna be hearing from this person and learning uh, what this uh, revolutionary organization is about. So we're gonna go, go straight into the program today. Um, and let me introduce my guest. We'll thank you for uh, coming to Free Aslan. Uh, thanks for having me.
1: It's good to be here in Oakland, home of the Black Panthers, uh, the greatest revolutionary movement to be in this country. And uh, good to be here with you. I know uh, we have uh, there's a book that we put out that I know you're a big fan of. And I've since learned that we have a lot of common uh reading uh, books and literature that we've read, that we have a lot in common, and it's good to connect with someone with that kind of background.
0: Absolutely, and in the, in the book that, that he's talking about is, of course, Chicano Power and the Struggle for Aslan, excellent book. Uh, I've had a show on this uh, about this book, a whole show just specifically on it, and I'm going to have many more shows, and um, you know that, that book is a study manual, history book, uh, training guide, all in one everything you need. Uh, If I was religious, I would call it a Bible. (laughs) That's the book that we need, uh, the Chicano Nation and Aslan needs, and that's the book to get. So, that being said, let me go straight into this interview, and um, you know, my first question of course is, what is MIM prisons? Uh, Can you please explain that for the listeners? Sure, and I'm just going to read a couple
1: sentences. Uh, We're we're the Maoist Internationalist Ministry of Prisons. We call ourselves MIM Prisons for short. Uh, We're a cell of revolutionaries serving the oppressed masses inside U.S. prisons, and we uphold the revolutionary communist ideology of Marxism, Leninism, Maoism, and work from the vantage point of the third world proletariat. Um, Maoism is, uh, for those who don't know, it's something um, that represents the the ideology of Mao Zedong, who was a leader in socialist China. And we look at the model of Socialist China, along with the model of the Black Panther Party here in Oakland, as some of the best examples of uh, what we would like to do, what we'd like to see happen. Um, And the the last part of that that last sentence, uh, the third world world proletariat is an important point of uh, defining who we are as well, Um, something that distinguishes us from a lot of other... Organizations, people, especially in this country, in the first-world countries, are that their focus on organizing uh, people in these countries to. Uh, and uh, in the in, in the interests of their 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 own economic interests and uh, we see the imperialist countries as uh, net exploiters people who are benefiting from the economic system that exists in the world today and th- that's why we say we organize from the viewpoint of the third world proletariat and not the the economic interests of the exploiters
0: and and, and along with men prisons i, I uh, from my understanding, there's also um, an organization called USW. Yeah, and I, I'll read a couple sentences for
1: them as well. Uh, United Struggle from Within is a mass organization um, led by men prisons. It's for U.S. prisoners, and it is, is explicitly anti-imperialist and leading campaigns on behalf of U.S. prisoners in alliance with national liberation struggles in the United States and around the world so our organization exists um, basically to support prison prisoner organizing in the united states and usw is an organization for prisoners made of prisoners it, it actually predates our own organization um, being part of the original mem um, which started in the 80s um, our organization is about a decade old and we took on working with usw and um, in, in our early Early days, and uh, USW is—it's part of a greater prison movement. Um, we sometimes refer to a, a second wave of the prison movement. The first wave being that 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 did kill inside with the Black Panthers in the sixties and seventies, when there was a strong, uh, many strong national liberation movements in this country. Um, and we, but we've seen a rise in prison organizing um, uh, that was symbolized or really uh, uh, sim- symbolic of that was the California hunger strikes that took place in 2012 and afterwards. Um, But there's been many other large-scale strikes in other states since then. Um, And we we hope to see that kind of organizing continue. Um, And USW is a part of that movement, but it is the anti-imperialist wing. So it's people who are more more attracted to the kind of politics that uh, we promote and want to work closely with us. They work as part of USW.
0: Yeah and I got to say when I was uh in prison that you know I've seen a lot of the work of USW and um it, it was um I in my opinion um you know USW in the newsletter um, Under Lock and key was very instrumental with the hunger strike of 2011 and 2013 because it helped to get the the word out and and to um and it actually helped to build the you know, the the momentum that led to the um, hunger strikes, in my opinion, because, um, you know, this is what this newsletter and this organization does is help prisoners to, uh, you know, obtain tools, organizing tools that can be used for um, things like, um, you know, hunger strikes and and other other struggles. But, you know, let me go to this next question Uh, in terms of prison organizing. What are some of the issues uh, prisoners are focusing on today?
1: So, since 2012, things in California have changed a lot. Those hunger strikes um, did a lot. Um, They really—they, I mean—it was an amazing show of of unity of prisoners who were divided along uh, national lines and lines of lumpen organizations um, for a common cause, which was. Uh, principally to oppose uh, the torture that was going on in long-term isolation shoe units. Um, the outcome of that that struggle was uh, less than um, ideal in our minds, in that it did not abolish the shoe, um, but it did move a lot of people out of the shoe. And the the focus of struggle today has, has shifted a bit. Um, the the hottest topic in our in our assessment in California right now is what they call the um, NDPFs. These are non-designated programming facilities. <laughs> and um, just a quick background. Um, in California, the, the prison population is divided. It's divided along different lumpen organizations, uh, for one, but um, probably bigger than that is the divide that has evolved over the years between what is the general population and the shoe population on one side and the SNY special needs yards on the other side. Um, The special needs yards originated, um, it's it's a form of protective custody, so people who were in danger of being hurt by other prisoners would be sent there. And uh, one of the primary ways people originally went there was by giving up information on other prisoners. And so there's a a very uh, strong divide for that reason, and people in the general population, as a rule, uh, would look down, still look down upon, people in those SNY yards. What's uh, happened more recently, or even even in, uh, just going back uh, some years, what started to happen is that the CDCR started to uh, make it easier for people to go into SNY, and what we've seen more and more is that people who are going in there have not necessarily given up information, and we have a lot of good, uh, strong comrades who are in SNY today, to the point that today, CDCR says it's about one-third of the prison population in California is SNY. But the latest this latest NDFP, non-designated programming facilities, NDPFs, uh, is an integration of these two groups. And so this third stage, the CDCR is actually forcing people to not necessarily go to SNY, but people in both sides to mix and intermingle in these what they're calling non-designated yards. So they're trying to take the stigma away. They're not saying that this is SNY or this is GP. They're saying this is something totally different. Um, and But this is no longer a choice that, that prisoners are making to go to these yards. And, but they are given the option to engage in programming, which will presumably help them with their release dates and receive other benefits. But as we saw with the, the programming that um, came after the hunger strikes, um, which was the uh, step-down program. Um, similarly, this program is about uh, enforcing um, the state's ideas uh, onto these prisoners. Um, it's not about reform. You know, We can look at examples like like Tukey Williams is, is a, a famous example of, of what goes on all the time in prisons, people who are put in prison and, and labeled as, as violent, as, as animals who need to be controlled. And they, they, you know, they, at, given the experience of being put in these prisons, they see the, some of the errors in their ways. They come around and they start to do positive things, like Tukey, who wrote books uh, opposing violence, opposing um, gangs. And uh, Tukey was killed by the state of California, as many probably know. And and Tukey is just a famous example of what happens all the time to oppressed people in the prison system. So. That just goes to show that these, you know, we're not opposed to re education of prisoners. Um, that's kind of what we do. We try to offer educational programs to prisoners who are trying to change their, their ways. Um, but these programs have, have no interest in rehabilitating, But it's really about controlling and controlling in the interest of the state. Um, People who pose a risk uh, to the interests of the state because they want to stand up for, for what is right. They want to stand up for national liberation. They want to stand up for um, human rights, for prisoner rights, and um, and against torture.
0: Yeah, and and I would just add about the ND, you know, the integrated yard things. Is you know this is just a continuation of the gladiator fights that I remember. You know, um, they, you know, they had me uh, thrown me out in, in these yards as well with the um, for these gladiator fights so this is very familiar with they what they do what they've been doing to us <coughs> excuse me and they've been um, doing this for a very long time in decades and, um, and and now they're doing it on a larger scale but it never stopped. You know, they've been doing this, um, you know, Corcoran was one example, but even in Corcoran, they were doing it in other prisons at the same time. And, you know, I, I remember, um, you know, them throwing me out on yards with, uh, you know, neo-Nazis and, and other people who were um, very reactionary. So, you know, th- th- this is what they do, and, and their intent is to get certain pers- uh, prisoners murdered um, or to shoot from the gun tower The prisoners that they don't like you know once they set them up in these gladiator fights so it's kind of like you know i'm going to open these two doors uh door number one i don't like the guy i want to shoot him and i'm going to let him go out to the yard um he's going to defend himself and they're going to engage in in this battle on the yard and then i'm going to shoot the guy that i don't like so it's a very easy way for um guards to assassinate Certain prisoners that that you know for one reason or the other um, got under batside but you know it's 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 horrible thing what they're doing on this um, integrated yard thing.
1: <clears throat> yeah, and that's from what we've heard. That's that's kind of the general consensus on what's going on, or the sense from prisoners um, that are in these a lot of these yards is that it is being used as a tool um, to to instigate violence amongst prisoners. And and to use and and I think you've had other guests on here talking about this in depth about how it's being used to, um, you know, coerce prisoners to do certain things or to give up certain information by you know threatening threatening them overtly with violence. So what what's actually going on on the ground? We are still trying to gather information, um, but we um, we're getting reports. We're getting a lot of different reports. Um, some very positive. Some not so positive. Um, but we, what we have is we have comrades in USW on the grounds who are in a, a number of these um, facilities that are being integrated. And um, another, a number of longtime leaders in USW who are actively promoting um, what, what is uh, called the United Front for Peace in Prisons, which was a project that was initiated um, some years ago, six or seven years ago. Uh, we, we actually helped bring together a number of, of leaders from different lumpen organizations who came up with this program. Um, It has five points, peace, unity, growth, internationalism, and independence, and it's been something that um, USW and others have organized around over the years. There's an annual commemoration on September 9th uh, to to, uh, commemorate the Attica uprising and promote... uh, prisoner rights and, and peace and unity among prisoners. And uh, so we, we have received a number of reports from USW leaders who are using what, what we've been working on with the UFPP to uh, promote peace between um, the the uh, two sides, the general population and the SNY prisoners who are coming together in these units um, with reportedly some success. You know, we, So we do have people on the ground who are trying to be uh, brokers of peace in this situation. Um, there's also situations where there's already been uh, violence. Um, the reports of violence are kind of instigating more fear and more violence. Um, so uh, there's been a, a, a significant campaign by family members who are concerned about the violence to stop the integrations. Um, we haven't really taken that on too strongly, but we've really focused on just promoting um, our, our, our readers and any USW leaders who are out there to promote um, peace. In, in, these, in these situations where people are coming together trying to, to, to broker peace um, and to, to bridge this gap that's been a, a, long, a long-term gap that's been built up over years and years, and it's not going to go away anytime soon, but we do hopefully, we see this as an opportunity. Um, it's it's, it's a, a, a potentially violent situation, but it's also a potential opportunity for a great change. Mm,
0: go Good, and and you know, let me get to this next question. Uh, you know, you talked about USW. So, what are what campaigns are uh, USW currently working on?
1: So, another project um, that we kind of just wrapped up. It was it was actually a campaign that was initiated by the Black Alliance, of P- Black Alliance for Peace to uh, get Africom out of. African continent. You know, Africom is a U.S. military um, command that's um, waging uh, drone wars and and other operations on the continent of Africa. You know, Africa is, is I, I recently learned is now um, you know under Obama, the, the drone wars became a, a big thing under. President Obama, and it was largely in the Middle East, Afghanistan. Uh, and it turns out that now it, Africa is where most of our our drone attacks are happening. U.S. drone attacks are happening, um, and these are drone attacks that are being waged by U.S. soldiers. You know, you know, sitting in in, in offices here in the United States, you know, pushing buttons, deciding who's going to live and die. Um, and so this, this campaign was to, you know, say, hey, no no AFRICOM in Africa, get U.S. imperialism out of Africa. And uh, some comrades in USW, um, you know, took up that call, and uh, we helped uh, make up the petitions and distribute petitions to uh, USW leaders around and USW members around the, the country. It was uh, somewhat short notice. Um, but we got uh, petitions back from uh, a number of states and um, another a number of uh, facilities, and uh, we got about 450 signatures from prisoners. Mm. And uh, it was on the anniversary of the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King. The Black Alliance for Peace submitted these signatures to some representatives in Congress, and um, they had 3,500 signatures. So, uh, USW gathered uh, over 10 percent. Of the signatures wow. for the whole campaign, beautiful. Yeah, so that was that was uh, that was impressive, and it and it's a good example of what kind of distinguishes USW. Um, you know, while the the focus is on prisoner rights and human rights in U.S. prisons, um, it's also about drawing those international connections and dealing with with U.S. imperialism and U.S. militarism uh, in the third world.
0: Mm. Yeah, and that's you know that it just shows that when people think about prisoners they think all of this um, you know negativity and harm and um, it just show <coughs> excuse me it just shows that you know that um you know here <coughs> excuse me <coughs> it, j- <coughs> it just show <coughs> it just shows <coughs> that these prisoners are looking outside of themselves and not only in their own communities, not only in these false U.S. borders within the United Snakes, but they're also looking to other countries. Um, I think that's a, an amazing example of rehabilitation. If that's not rehabilitation, I don't know what is. You know, when um, you know prisoners are caring about people on the other side of the world, and I've never heard of any uh, prison um, educational course or anything, um, you know, any GED program that um, got prisoners to not only think about people on the other side of the world, but to then uh, take action and initiative and and engage in a campaign to stop oppression on the other side of the world, so I think that's a, a an amazing example in itself of USW and the work of MIM prisons in helping to educate, reeducate, and uh, rehabilitate <coughs> the people behind prison walls. But let me um, get to this next question, um, and it's um, uh, let's talk about study groups. So you know i'm a participant of the study groups um you know i i, I learned so much about um about the world about life uh, about my own behavior through the the study groups of men prisons and and i and you know um i you know men prisons and the study groups um helped to you know help to transform my own life and my own uh ways of thinking, um, um, you know, as a lump in prisoner with a whole history, those of you, some of the listeners know me, some of these listeners of Free Aslan have known me my whole life, they've known me uh, since I was a teenager, they understand where I come from, they know my behavior, they know my past, and I was a completely different person, um, you know, for those who just met me, but... You know, I came. I was criminalized very early. Uh, before I was a teenager, I was criminalized. So, you know, I, I have a long lineage of, um, <clears throat> you know, um, undergoing uh, oppression in, in 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 the U.S. And I understand what criminalization does um, in every single way you can think. So, um, and I have to say for myself, the study groups. Um, um you know, helped to um develop my understanding of the world and of my place in history, my place within um you know, for me coming deriving from the Chicano Nation, it helped uh, to um in my understanding of you know um what <clears throat> real struggle was about and um and 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 so it was very, very helpful. In my development, my um, personal development, and you know, um, but let me ask you the question. When it comes to maybe you can uh, describe the study study group programs um, for the listeners um, who may not know about them.
1: <clears throat> yeah, so our, our study groups are, are one mm-hmm. of the many independent institutions of the oppressed that that we run. Um, that we, you know, we always need help with. We always need help coordinating ways, need help, um, funding, and um, it is very central to our work. You know, a lot of the the groups that came back with this petition signatures were groups that were built around the study group. You know, the study group is often a a beginning point for, uh, for, for comrades who are trying to get organized to do these positive things. And it's also, you know, it's, it's, it's an opportunity um, to, to reach people in a way that, um, you know, they might not necessarily um, be accessible in, in, in any other way. You know, the, these are people who, um, who wouldn't necessarily pick up these books on their own or pick up the literature on their own. But these uh, the study groups um, that are going on within the prisons are ways for them to plug in. Um, and, you know, so we, we run study groups through the mail, of course, correspondence courses, um, we provide the books and the materials um, for them, it's, it's, it's done on a work exchange basis, so, and, you know, comrades who are writing for the newsletter, who are doing art, who are leading the study groups, um, you know, basically have a you know get free access to any of the literature that we distribute, and um, we use these study groups to um, you know help help them on their journey of self-discovery, as you referred to. And and it doesn't and it's not always easy for them. You know, there's there's uh, you know there's censorship. There's also repression of these groups on the inside. Um, you know, and I should have mentioned earlier with the Africom campaign too that you know it's not. You know, it's it's all the signatures that they gathered. You know, it's a little bit um, more uh, impressive than maybe one of us going out in the streets and gathering those signatures. Because you know, in in one prison there was a uh, a lot of censorship uh, by the staff who were uh, removing the flyers for the Afcom campaign, and another another prison, um, a couple comrades actually went. To the whole for a month because of some racist comments that someone was making in response to the campaign, um, and and an altercation that pr- pursued after that. So um, you know some of this this stuff that seems fairly basic and simple, like organizing a study group or asking for petition signatures, can have um, you know some dire consequences in this context.
0: <clears throat> Absolutely, and I've seen um, a lot of the backlash. I mean, I, I, I remember them. You know, you know. Um, not only withholding my mail, I remember um, them coming up to my door with, with with the newsletter under lock and key. I remember, um, you know, um, guards making comments um, of why I'm reading this uh, revolutionary material, why I'm reading this uh, communist uh, uh, material. I mean, I've heard almost everything you can hear from the guards, Uh, and then, you know, uh, some of the guards didn't like me for the material I would get. Sometimes they would crumble it up and then hand it to me after it had been balled up. You could tell it was balled up. Sometimes they'd hand me the newsletters uh, with the footprint, with the boot print on it, like they stepped on it, and then they would give it to me. Um, You know, I've had um, these same guards, you know, open the doors on me uh, with other, uh, you know, reactionary prisoners and, you know, and then just walk away, you know. So I've had every kind of backlash you can think of uh, just from getting this material, just from learning, just from trying to develop politically and as a result um and 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 from their ignorance, the ignorance of the guards um you know they would they would um react in so many different ways withholding mail, throwing mail away, and it was horrible and um and there was nothing I can do about it but continue to push forward and you know and you know uh, appeal it. I would do lawsuits, I did lawsuits on the guards. I had, um, you know, I write articles and have them published in various um, newsletters and newspapers on the oppression that they were, um, you know, uh, issuing out to um, not only me but other prisoners. So every time they they got out of line, I would, um, you know, react to them and make sure I did everything in my power um, to challenge that, you know. And, And that's, of course, they didn't like that, but. You know, um, I, I felt that it was very important that you know um, censorship is is horrible, and um, and we're gonna get into censorship right now. Um, you know, and, and I just want to say, you know, the book program was excellent for me. I got a lot of political books. Anybody who um, who has a loved one in prison, who has a friend, family member, somebody in prison. You know, it's very important that they learn their history and culture and their um, in their politics because the world revolves around politics. And I would highly recommend um, to get them um, linked up with men prisons, um, if anything, so that they can um, you know um, utilize their books to prisoners program and to learn and rehabilitate and to. Uh, re-educate themselves uh, and, and, and and as a result to re-educate and rebuild their lives. But let me go on to censorship. So <clears throat> when it comes to censorship, you know, I was going to ask you, why does men prisons have the most uh, censorship problems? Because I know um, being in there, I've seen that I would get maybe 12 different publications, all political revolutionary publications, and men prisons was the one that faced the harshest uh, censorship. And you know, I would have the guards. You know, a lot of the other stuff I would get in, they would let it in. Sometimes they wouldn't. But when it came to men prisons, um, they were very, very harsh and very restrictive with um, any of the material. You know, they they would come up to my door and show me the actual mailing or the newsletter. And they would say, You're you're not gonna get this and let me look at it through the door. So they would do all this uh, you know, all this stuff um, when it came to MIM prisons and um, you know and so let me ask you, why do you think that is out of all the revolutionary groups, organizations that put out newsletters and, and, and stuff, why is it that they would um, censor and, and you know Uh, trip on men prisons more than any other publications. Why do you think that is?
1: Well, I I, I would say it's an indication that we're doing something right. Um, While the prison guards aren't necessarily our primary target for criticism, our audience is largely prisoners, and they do end up being um, that target, especially when they do... The ridiculous things that they do in response to our literature, um, with censorship and, and repressing, um, you know, very benign activities. Um, but you know, our 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 political line it does lead us to print things that other organizations um, that may may call themselves communists and may call themselves Marxists wouldn't print. And it's you know some uh, some of those groups would even appeal to you know police unions and prison guard unions and things. Um, and and we, you know we don't do that and, and we don't uh, we don't pull punches and we try to tell it like it is and uh, you know that it, the way it is is that people in this country are are you know tied into and connected to a, a very murderous oppressive government and system and um, you know people who work directly for the state um, don't like to hear that um, so uh, yeah, under lock and key, it's it's a prison. It's a it's a newsletter, um, by, largely by and for prisoners. It actually um, it came from um, MIM Notes, which was a newspaper put out by the original Maoist internationalist movement. I think I alluded to earlier that um, started back in the 80s, and um, they started to get a lot of attention from, from prisoners, un- unbeknownst to them. Um, it, they said that was something that happened to them by surprise. They started getting letters from prisoners, and then um, they developed Under Lock and Key as a, a two-page insert to every issue eventually because they were getting so much interest and, and so many interesting letters from prisoners. Um, what we did um, after that that project folded and, and our project began, we took Under Lock and Key and pulled it out as its own new, newsletter. Um, so the, it's really, um, a lot of the focus is on prisons and prisoner writings, um, but we do we do try to make, you know, keep making those international connections and uh, providing some of the same analysis that Nim Notes did, but it's much more skewed towards the 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 prisoner organizing side and we think we do um, a much better job of focusing on that. I don't know how our censorship compares to MIM Notes. I know MIM Notes was censored a lot as well, um, but uh, we we print a lot more um, on what's going on inside the prisons, which is going to catch uh, more attention of the prison guards and the censors in the prisons as well. Um, so our newsletter has been going out every two months um, for over a decade now, and it is free to all U.S. prisoners. You can write to us. Get on our mailing list, um, and uh, we we always welcome submissions. It's based on reporting from inside the prisons and, um, and 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 on the conditions and and what's going on and and especially the organizing. You know, we want to highlight what the organizing is going on the inside and, and allowing prisoners to learn from each other, um, what works, what doesn't work, um, get inspired by each other. Um, it's it's a population that has real limitations in terms of organizing itself. You know, there's real limitations on their ability to communicate. And, and more than most other you know, group that would be organizing in its self-interest, it, having that outside support really is, is crucial. As you mentioned earlier, during the hunger strikes, ourselves and a number of other groups were, played important roles. In you know, the, the hunger strikes were led and initiated by lumpen organizations inside the prisons. But um, the outside support was very important as well.
0: Yeah, and, and I would just add that, <clears throat> you know, that, um, that Chairman Mao said something to the effect of, um, you know, it's good to have a line of demarcation between you and the enemy, and if the enemy, and I'm not quoting them exact, but it's something along the lines of, you know, to be attacked by the enemy is good because it shows that, you know, there is a line of demarcation between you and the enemy. And if the enemy is not attacking you, then that's a bad thing because uh, the enemy doesn't see you as a threat, and and that means that you you're really not doing nothing to challenge um, the enemy. And the uh, enemy, of course, is the oppressor, the oppressor nation. So it, it's it's you know to see that um, you know men prisons face so much more censorship than any other. Uh, a revolutionary organization or political party that sent material into the prisons and um you know to see that they suffered the most censorship, I would have to say that um, they um, struck the, the 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 biggest blows to the enemy and and I would say the biggest blows are ideologically, you know um that's you know that's the biggest blow um you know at this stage that that one can can give to the enemy. And, you know um, so I think that um, looking at it from the inside, from what I saw, what I experienced, um, I would say and from learning and reading and studying and engaging with men prisons, I would say that um, you know that, that they um, you know struck um, uh, the deepest blow to the, to the to the oppressor and that's by you know um, politicizing prisoners, educating them and, and, and uplifting them and um, assisting in in their organizing uh, behind enemy lines. But um, let me get into, you know, I want to talk about security culture because, you know, this is something that um, you rarely hear about. Um, A lot of people don't really talk about. A lot of groups, a lot of organizations, Um, you know, um, it's really not the first thing on anybody's um, you know, um, discussion, uh, panel, you know, we go to these events and see these, uh, uh, people there, these, um, you know, activist people or, um, you know, and, and nobody really, um, digs into security culture really, uh, maybe behind closed doors, but, really not a topic that everybody understands um very well so i wanted to talk a little bit about security culture and the importance of it and what exactly it is for listeners that don't know what security culture is
1: yeah i think there's a couple of reasons why that isn't such a popular topic in this country you know one is the the privilege that, is, that we enjoy in in uh in this country if, if you're not in prison if, if you're a, a citizen um, then you know most for the vast vast majority of people they never really interact with um, the state in a negative way whereas in you know in third world countries you know you don't even have to be deeply involved in anything to be um, you know affected very deeply to have no people who are murdered um, because of their political activities so you know it makes sense that people don't um, take it as as seriously here um, it's also um, um, <clears throat> well it, if, if you read some recent history of this country you know that that's not it's not that it can't happen here um, but but it is uh, relatively um, less less frequent um, but um, it, another factor is that it, it, the nature of so-called organizing in this country is very dominated by nonprofit type organizations and um, which uh, work on you know models that that are you know akin to you know being a corporation in terms of how they're organized how they um, promote membership you know you have a Facebook page and a website with pictures of your members on it and their contact info um, and that's just you know that's that's a model that a lot of people are, are learning from and it's just not that's not how revolutionary organizations um, organize so um, we need to get away from that and uh, we try to do a lot to promote that you know our movement has always been um, bit more secu- serious about security um, even before our organization um, came about the MIM has always been serious about security and um, we've so we we're trying to do um, we have some comrades who are, are working on this more specifically and are really trying to do better better than anyone's ever done before to um, incorporate You know, there's a a new terrain out there with the presence and the use of technology um, with, you know, know, everyone, like I said, people who organize now, a lot of people who consider themselves organizers, they're on their Facebook with their Google Docs on their iPhone, and that's just, those aren't tools that we can depend on to be, you know, effective. And so we need to build... um, we need to start learning how to use other tools and building infrastructure that um, doesn't depend on multinational corporations um, that uh, keeps our information safe. And um, you know, and we're doing that. We have uh, some comrades who are monitoring a, a subreddit forum on reddit.com that are putting up tutorials on how to use different tools. Um, and It's something that we're, we're always promoting um, amongst our members. And it's also among... Um, the prisoners that we work with, and that can be, you know, that's a different scenario, and that can be difficult as well because um, you're dealing with people who are very closely monitored by the state. You know, there's just no way. You know, they can read every piece of mail they can get. They can listen to every phone conversation. Um, there's, there's not a lot to be had, but we do enforce certain, certain guidelines such as not printing prisoner names in our newsletter, um, even though many, many writers, you know, object to that and want their names to be printed. We don't do it as a policy um, because of the repression and unforeseen um, um, uh, repercussions that could come from that. Um, there's also security concerns in that we can't always verify communications ourselves. And that's something we've been, we've written about recently is how to verify communications from us because, um, I mean, I, it's, it's hard to do if you don't have um, the digital tools that we have on the outside to, verify that our communication actually is from us and and you really have to put politics in command in that case. And that's what we try to teach people is to learn and understand what our political line is. And if you're getting things from us that are sound a little weird then
0: maybe they aren't from us and you should try to verify them. Yeah. That 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 always helps. And um and that would be hard to fake, you know, because um you know mem prisons um you know it would be hard for somebody who you've been uh, communicating with or receiving correspondence from for years, and then um, you know, you're gonna know you going to know the way they communicate and stuff like that. But, and so security culture is very important. And, and the tutorials you said are on Reddit?
1: Yeah, reddit.com. There's a forum called Mao underscore internationalist. That's run by some of our comrades.
0: Oh, perfect. And so the listeners, anybody who wants to, um, you know, tighten up their security culture, um, learn how to um, heighten their security, uh, check those out. But let me go on to um, this next question. Um, You know, today we're seeing a lot of um, actions from uh, white nationalists we're seeing you know they're, they're doing this they're doing that they're organizing these events they're you know um you know shooting up you know everything schools churches whatever you 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 know whatever it may be so all of this stuff is is going on and and you know um for some people it seems like um it's the same old same old and for some others it seems like you know um, it's, it's ramping up. In my opinion, um, I, I believe that, you know, I know like in the 1920s or so, the, the, you know, the white nationalists, specifically the KKK was very, um, you know, they had, uh, th- tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of members. They had a lot of members. And then, you know, um, now, in my opinion, it seems like they're becoming more organized. Um, you know, with all these militia groups and they're, you know, training and weapons and they're doing all this stuff all around um, these false U.S. borders. But um, let me ask you, you know, what what do you think the current situation with uh, white nationalism is today versus, you know, 20, 30 years ago or something? What do you think? Has it gotten worse or has it gotten less?
1: So this is a topic we focused on in our March-April issue of Under Lock and Key, number 67. So I'm going to try to remember all my main points here, but you can also read read some of the articles on on our website from that issue um, to get more of our analysis. Um, so this country uh, was built on white nationalism, white supremacy, right? So for for us, that's something, and, and that's something that. Is is not commonly recognized. Even if people will acknowledge, uh, oh, slavery happened, oh, a genocide happened, uh, it still isn't in in the consciousness of most people. So for us, when we see a lot of these things, it, it's not. It doesn't seem that that crazy or that new. Um, you know, we're hearing it. We, you know, since we've been doing what we do, we are always working with people who are experiencing um, overt racism, and that's always been. Present in this country now. At the same time, um, we do think things have changed. The, 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 we have a generation of people who grew up with the, you know, their first uh, president they really knew of was Barack Obama, who um, was was not nominally white and um, also didn't uh, s- say very many racist things. Um, so, for them to hear some of the things that. Someone like Donald Trump is saying um, is going to be a bit more jarring. Um, so that shift is going to be important. Um, but then we also see, as you um, you asked about it, um, the on the other side, there's uh, the, the the openly overt racists who seem to be getting more vocal and seem to be getting more organized. Now, for um, you know, we're we're not really. We're not experts on researching that kind of stuff, but from what other organizations are saying, we track these things, that there is an increase in, in hate crimes, an increase in hate organizing. Um, some of the things that were in this issue that were really striking to me, um, in a 2017 poll, uh, this was after the, the Charlottesville rally, it was white nationalist rally. Um, they did a poll um washington post and abc news and they found that nine percent of americans thought it was fine to hold neo-nazi or white supremacist views um so i mean that was kind of surprising to me that's that's a lot of people um similarly um in that year there was a huge increase in in traffic on a number of white nationalists popular white nationalist websites white supremacist websites i should say um so there's definitely been a shift um but you also see similar um, increases in other election years. When Obama was elected, there were similar increases. Um, so, we, you know, this whole discussion around fascism is is very um, it's timely. Uh, there's a lot going on that is um, interesting in that in that subject. But from our assessment, the um, the dialogue that's happening right now is uh, a dialogue is still a dialogue between the imperialists between the imperialists that are the overt racists and the imperialists that are not overt racists, on how to manage the oppressed, whether we want to do it with overt racism or not. And that's been uh, uh, an age-old debate among the ruling class in this country. Um, So it's really nothing new, but it is, there is a, a president who's giving a lot of voice to the side that is in favor of the overt racist approach. And that could evolve. It certainly could evolve into something more extreme, at which point, you know, uh, a balance in power could shift could take place where we would see it uh, necessary to ally with the, the bourgeois democratic forces who are opposed to Trump. But at this point, we see it as mostly uh, electoral politics um, at play. Um, we are... We'll, but rather than getting into that debate, um, you know, we don't think we're in a fascist country right now. But we do think that there's more that we can be doing to uh, address this this rise in white nationalism. Uh, one of one of the um, the dominant or uh, strong narrative that's occurring in, in somewhat mainstream media and in and, and YouTube and, and places like that is uh, this that the, there's. Uh, Speakers who are trying to portray the, uh, the the rightist white nationalist views as being the logical or the science-based uh, approaches, and you know they, they're taking, they're cherry-picking examples of so, so-called leftists who are saying ridiculous things, and then um, criticizing them. As it and as a way to make their side sound like the logical and reasonable side, and so you know what we've really been talking about and trying to, um, you know, hopefully uh, enlist more people in this effort is to push, you know, is to say, hey, we have a scientific analysis that is actually opposed to the oppression of all people. Um, that it isn't the, the white nationalists who have um, the best scientific approach, it's the communists that have the best scientific approach and some of the criticisms that they're making um, may they they, they they sound reasonable for good reasons, you know um, there's you know, one example that kind of gets at the heart of our analysis around this this nationalism question is people um, people will say that uh, black people can't be racist or Mexicans can't be racist and um, the white nationalists glom onto that and they say that's, uh, that's obviously ridiculous right? and, and, and everyone who, who's been around black people or Mexican people know that. that's not true, anyone can be racist we live in a racist country, everyone has racist ideas in their head um, but what, what a lot of those people are trying to say is that black people cannot as a, as a nation, as a people are, cannot oppress white people cannot oppress the white nation Um, Chicano people are not oppressing white people and these white nationalists perceive themselves as being oppressed by Chicanos by by migrants from Central America coming into uh, this land and um, that that's that's where we we can put in a a more scientific analysis based on nation to um, to at least make it not seem like they're the only ones that have a logical explanation for what's going on. because um, A lot of these people that, that have the, race, the racist kind of dialogue, they're, they're, their thoughts aren't that far off, but they, they just use language that sounds kind of silly, and the white nationalists are, are able to uh, portray them in a, in a way and skew their words sometimes in a way that makes them look like they know, they understand the world better. Um, but we know we understand the world better, and we understand that white nationalism is is the foundation of this country, and um, and that it, you know it's never going to the uh, nationalism of the oppressed is never going to end as long as there's white nationalism, right? It was white nationalism that created uh, the nationalism of the oppressed to begin with. So um, there are solutions to these contradictions.
0: Yeah, and and. And it's very confusing to a lot of people, and especially people who consider themselves activists and revolutionary people. It, it sometimes it's very confusing. And one of the things I, I see too that I always um, you know bump heads with people about too is the idea of the labor aristocracy. So you know that goes along with um, white nationalism because um, a lot of um, you know white workers are just, you know, um, you know be growing up in this kind of society and growing up in, like you said, a racist country, a racist uh, society, uh, you know, one filled with uh, national oppression for brown and black people and others. And, you know, uh, to grow up like that and to have this, this certain privilege that you were born with that, you know, um, regardless of your economic status, you still had a certain privilege that brown and black people did not have. um, And and to have that and and to, you know, suddenly become part of the unions or whatever, and to, even if you consider yourself an activist, you know, um, sometimes people are blinded, I think, by the idea that they're not affected by, uh, white supremacy in America, and that even spills into the workforce. And 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 unfortunately, everybody is uh, touched by white supremacy. Even the workers, even those who can, may consider themselves activists, they, there is still something that they are touched with. And um, certain people are privileged um, just from growing up in the, these uh, false U.S. borders. So that's something that I, um, you know, I, I've 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 talked to, I've I've debated with people about it, even people that I thought were very um, politically um, educated. And it's something that um, remains an obstacle, um, I believe, uh, until people can get over that, that um, there's going to be a a lot of problems in organizing and moving forward uh, in a major way. Uh, in these false U.S. borders. But um, let me just, um, let me go on to the next question. Um, you know, what are some of the future projects? I know MIM prisons has a lot of stuff going on, and, you, you know, you, you don't want to talk about everything, but um, maybe one or two. What, what What is something that MIM prisons, um, a project that's in the works that you would like to talk about?
1: Uh, one of the bigger goals we've set for ourselves is to make Under Lock and Key uh, a monthly newsletter. Um, to date, for a, de- a decade, it's been every two months. And we don't think that that frequency does enough to serve um, one of the main purposes, which is to um, commu- send communiques to prisoners about what is going on on the ground um, and to share that information in a way that they can organize around. Part of um, so we're looking at this in, in a number of different um, ways: changing, uh, maybe rebranding, changing the format, um, working with other partners. Um, and but for those who those who are listening, who, who like our work, you know, the easiest thing you can do is become um, a, a distributor. We're looking for people who can fund um, small amounts of money and um, regularly uh, receive a, a stack of, of the newsletter in the mail and distribute it locally. Um, or if you just want to fund, that's great too. But we want to get it out uh, on the streets more as part of this expansion uh, program. So that's one of the big things that we're working on right now.
0: Oh, well, that's that's beautiful. And you know, I I'd just like to say that um, you know that that would be a beautiful project. I, I know how much that it would affect um, that it would affect uh, people, oppressed people, in um, these false U.S. borders. Um, on both sides of the prison walls, and you know, um, I just think that um, everything that Men Prisons does is just is wonderful. It just uh, transforms. I've seen it transform so many people's lives, and I and I hope that uh, people will support it, continue to support it, and uh, new people find ways to support uh, what's occurring uh, in these projects that Men Prisons has, and. Um, and we're coming up we have a few more minutes but um you know i just want to say that uh you know um when it comes to aslan and the chicano nation you know um i i can't think of any other um ideology than uh, maoism that will um that will allow the chicano nation to reach liberation and you know um and and i just think that um that it's very important that people find ways to connect with, um, you know, men prisons and, and, and to do their own research as well, to learn, to educate, and to um, organize um, their communities and find ways to push uh, the movement forward. And in whichever way you're struggling, you know, people behind the walls, you have some people in the prisons listening to Free Aslan, and they love Free Aslan. And, you know, Free Aslan is the voice of all Aslan, even, even the prisoners. Because a lot of groups and organizations, uh, they focus on people out here. But the prisoners, you know, those are our frontline soldiers. And these are the people who are going to be on the front lines, um, you know, um, doing it. So, you know, when, when, when it comes down, when everything comes down, uh, the people in the barrios are going to be the ones on the front line, the prisoners. Uh, ex-prisoners. These are people who struggled um, against the oppressor nation their whole lives. They know what uh, resistance looks like. They may not be politicized, but um, you know every day more and more people are becoming educated, re-educated and and that's gonna change. And the oppressor nation understands this. This is why um, they're making certain changes in the prisons. This is why they opened up the shoes. They seen that people in the shoes were becoming organized, resisting, uh, educating, be, becoming politicized, and so now they just uh, scattered everybody outside the shoes because that's the worst fear: is the schools turning into liberation schools, the the prisons and the shoes turning into liberation schools. So, you know, before we go, we got about one minute. How can people get involved in MIM prisons? Uh, maybe you could give your PO box and your any other contact info.
1: Yeah, so I would say right now is a really good time to get involved. Um, other than the newsletter expansion, we are doing a lot to uh, work on building infrastructure and inroads for people to get involved and in trying to launch some parallel projects beyond just uh, prison work, um, beyond our organization. So uh, get in touch with us. We're online. Our website is prisoncensorship.info. Um, for uh, prisoners, you can write to us at P.O. Box 40799, San Francisco, California, 94140, and we'll get you a free subscription to Under Lock and Key. You can also check out um, the subreddit, reddit.com, reddit.com, slash r slash mao underscore internationalist for some more practical tips on um, technology and campaigns. Um, people who want to get involved. It's a good place to kind of inter- interact with uh, what's going on. Um, so, and we also have email, so hit us up.
0: And there you have it. And you are listening to KEXU 96.1 FM. Uh, this is JV, and you're listening to Free Aslan.